You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today we are talking about contract extensions. We have reached the point in free agency where all of the noteworthy players have been signed and switched teams. We have reached the point in free agency where the Pacers' salary cap situation for this season and beyond is mostly settled. So while trades could still happen, it's clear what the Pacers can consider more so in contract extension talks. And we'll break through it all today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. The Pacers have three players who are eligible to receive a contract extension this offseason. Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, and Goga Batadze will break down the case and mechanics for all three. Why the player would want it, why the Pacers would want it, and on the flip side, why the player wouldn't want an extension, why the Pacers wouldn't want to extend the player. I don't want this to just be, oh, the Pacers should try to extend XYZ guy for this reason. There has to be the case on all sides discussed to figure out what makes sense and what could happen. We'll do all three guys for their own segment today. Let's just dive right in and start with the big one. The name on everybody's mind after the DeAndre Ayton saga, Miles Turner. Miles Turner is eligible for two different types of extensions, a standard veteran extension that would be a maximum of four years and a maximum of about $94 million with some bonuses in there. But he's also eligible for a renegotiation extension, which makes way more sense for him. Uh, It could be uh, really any amount, but we'll break down the mechanics of that at the end of this because that is what makes more sense for him to me, although I understand why uh, there could be some hurdles in accomplishing either task if we're being honest. So let's cut through this and start by why would Miles Turner want an extension? Well, the obvious answer, and this is true for all three players, is more money, more cash. If they get a deal that makes sense for them at this stage of their career for all these guys, and I'll say this for both Buddy and Goga as well, if the extension is enough money that it makes sense for them to take it at this age, sure. Miles Turner getting four for whatever his max is on a veteran extension, maybe that's enough for him to take it at this stage. But the issue for him is that might not be enough to convince him to stay out of unrestricted free agency next year. He may be able to get that deal. So a shorter extension might make sense, and that's why another thing Miles could want it. He could still be a young, unrestricted free agent for the first time. And for him specifically, another reason he could want it that is not necessarily the case with the other two guys, I suppose a little bit with Goga, is he might want some security after some injuries the last couple of seasons, right? You never want to be coming into an unrestricted free agency. Let's say Miles has another season where he plays less than 50 games. That's three straight seasons of under 50 games for him and four straight of under 65, missing 20 or more in four straight seasons would be rough for your free agency outlook. Perhaps locking that up now could make some sense for him. So there are plenty of reasons why Miles Turner would want an extension. But again, we'll get to the mechanics of this at the end of this. Now, why would the Pacers want an extension for Turner? This one seems obvious to me. He's only 26. He's super talented. Former lottery pick. Fits what they're doing. Fits what they could be. Doesn't turn 27 till next March. I think people forget how young Miles Turner is sometimes. Locking up an asset like that, even if it becomes a trade thing at a later stage, makes some sense. He'd be more tradable in future seasons, even on a veteran extension or a renegotiation extension. Basically, after this season, he would still be... uh, tradable on his deal if one of the other young centers explode onto the scene. I think there would be reasons for the Pacers to pursue it, but in general, 
getting good players who are also young on a contract for longer is a good thing. And that is the key motivation for Miles Turner, or excuse me, for the Pacers to want to extend Miles Turner's contract, even with the pitfalls of, you know, his injury history and things like that. I mean, that seems obvious. That's why they would do something like this. And I know some people who might be jumping in thinking, well, they couldn't trade Malcolm last year after the extension, why would being tradable matter for Miles if they couldn't trade him? Well, the timing matters because you can't be traded for six months after an extension. If the Pacers and Miles were to do it now or in a couple weeks, six months from now would be, you know, January of next year, which is before the trade deadline. It would be possible to trade him then. The timing of the Brogdon extension was the problem when the trade deadline last year, not the extension itself. So, Miles, I think there are reasons for both parties to potentially want this. The trouble is, you know, there's a lot of reasons for them both not to want it as well. And I think for Miles, that is the strongest case, unless it's a renegotiation extension. Here's where the veteran extension part for Turner falls apart, where they could just add 120% to his current salary, make that next season's number, and then give him a deal from there. That's that four for 100. He could probably get that anyway next offseason at 27 unless he again has a drastically terrible season on the injury front or on the court but I can't even imagine that happening on the floor I mean his on off numbers are going to look amazing on the Pacers especially on the defensive side he'll play better as in a more natural role he'll have the ball more often this coming season in theory like if he plays 60 plus games he will be able to get and even if he plays 50 plus games honestly he'll probably be able to get four for 94 next summer from a number of teams with cap space. So that would be one reason he wouldn't do at least a veteran extension is he could just wait till free agency and finally be an unrestricted free agent. Sometimes that market could drum up more interest in him and he could see where his options are. Even if he would like to return to the Pacers, it might make sense to wait until next summer to negotiate that sort of thing just to see how his season goes. And that's the biggest reason he wouldn't do it because with the renegotiation and extension, the Pacers can give Miles Turner a big, big, mega huge extension, which again, I'll get to the mechanics at the end, right now, right? They could give him a lot of money, even on a short-term thing that is really, really tough for other teams to sort of do and navigate with him in a way that might make sense for him. But still, if he wants to say, you know what, I just want to see what's out there next year, I would understand that for him since he's never been an unrestricted free agent. I think for a lot of guys, getting to unrestricted free agency has some value, even if they would like to stay on their current team. Now, why would the Pacers not want to extend Miles Turner? Well, one, having you know, a center making 20 plus million dollars for the next couple seasons is is scary at a rebuilding juncture. You know, even if he is a good player, having expensive players when you're trying to rebuild your team can limit opportunities. It can be fine. It can be no problem. But it can be something that you say, you know what, we'd rather just keep flexibility and try to resign him instead, because who knows what the situation for us will be next summer. This is a very compelling reason why they wouldn't want to extend Turner. And this applies to Batadze a little bit as well when we get to him. They have a lot of young bigs right? The Pacers really want to lock up Turner long-term. When they have Jackson in the fold, in theory, they have Goga coming up. Who knows what his situation will be after the season. They have Brissett already on the team. They have Jalen Smith locked up for the next couple seasons. You know, they have a front court rotation. Terry Taylor as well, already on the team. You know, maybe they determine that Turner's still a perfect fit and they would like him to start going forward. They figure that out this season, then great. They could try to negotiate an extension with him during the season or try to re-sign him but you know no need to jump all over that when you have a lot of depth already locked up at that position that's the reason they could not want to do it these are not reasons for or against anything concrete now the other thing with miles is you know he's not outside the core age necessarily this has kind of been a weird part of discussing miles turner all offseason he's one year older than duarte he's still young he's right in the pacers core age but in terms of experience he's been in the league for seven years he can become unrestricted this year. You know, his status with the team 
makes him feel like he's outside of the core, not the core age, but just not a part of necessarily the young and growing part of the team. I understand that sentiment, and that's potentially a reason to get away from it. So what makes the most sense for Turner to me? Look, that four-year extension that is the max possible on a standard veteran extension starts at $21 million next year and then scales up to, again, $94 million total. I think he could get that as a free agent from a number of teams, including the Pacers. So I don't think that makes sense. But a renegotiation and extension does make sense. That's only possible for teams who have cap space. They can add money to a guy's deal on an already existing contract and then also add seasons. And what they can do is make the cap hits decrease by up to 40% from year one to year two. Where does that have value for the Pacers? Let me explain this in a way that makes some sense to me. I was discussing this with my other cap dork friend, Scott McNeilis, so we hashed out these numbers together privately. But for example, the Pacers could use 17.4 million of their cap space this year and bump Turner's salary up to $35 million. That sounds ridiculous. Miles Turner is not a $35 million player. I don't even think that. And that would be just shy of his max in his current bracket of, of years in the league. And then it would scale down 40%, and the next two years it would be at $21.3 million. And that is right at his value. That's probably low. That's probably under his market value. So what the Pacers do if they do a renegotiation extension that looks like that, which again, it sounds crazy, just bear with me. They have effectively given him a two-year $60 million extension. They've given him $60 million in new money, which again, sounds crazy. But those last two years are at his market value. They have to use the cap space to get to the floor this year anyway. And so it's a way for them to have him on a tradable deal, still give him a bunch of money, and have him on a value that makes sense in future seasons from a team building perspective. They don't shoot themselves in the foot in the cap department next year anyway. They have his cap hold on the books no matter what. So I think that kind of thing makes sense. Maybe not quite all the way up to 35 million. You know, they could start at like 31 million to make it a two year $50 million extension, which again, sounds like a lot, but you have to think about the structure of it is more important than the numbers themselves in the case of this renegotiation and extension. That would be a way to me especially after what just happened with Aiden, to give Miles money that makes sense for him, to give him a shorter extension so he can still be unrestricted in the future, to give him more money commiserate with his value, and to give the Pacers still a tradable asset at center if one of Jackson or Smith or even, in theory, Goga ends up becoming good, no problem. They could deal with that problem in the future. So I think that's the way that makes the most sense for a Turner Pacers extension is a renegotiation and extension. Um... And the Pacers have the cap space to do that. And, and the 40% decrease in salary from year one to two is what makes it possible for that deal to be awesome in future seasons for the Pacers or for a trade scenario if they need to get there. But it still allows that decrease, Miles Turner, to get a bunch of new money on a shorter extension. I think that could make some sense in a way that a veteran extension can't. But I still, I don't know if I see that happening just given that Miles has never been an unrestricted free agent, that he just went through, you know, potentially his his team that drafted him trying to sign a guy to in theory start over him at the five spot you know there are a lot of hurdles to a Turner Pacers extension I think that biggest hurdle is that they and stuff just happened but I do think that that makes some sense for both sides right now to lock that up get the money involved you know Turner's been a pro money guy for his teammates for his whole career and set up both sides for success in future seasons really but also in this season giving him a pay bump it's always a good thing if you feel like you're taking care of your players. So that's the Miles Turner situation. If I had to bet, I would say unlikely that an extension happens, but there are mechanics that make it plausible in a way that aren't necessarily the case if they were over the cap 
or if he was traded immediately or something like that. Let's move on to player number two, Buddy Heald, a newer pacer at 29 years old, and yet he is still extension eligible. At least he becomes so in October near the anniversary of when he signed his current contract. That will be three years for him in the NBA. Before we talk about Buddy Heald, let me talk to you guys about Bilt Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars ever. I just had a cookie dough chunk one yesterday. So what is Bilt Bar? Why are they so good? Why are they so popular? Well, they're basically candy bars, but they're healthy protein bars. They are 100% covered in chocolate, delicious protein bars that come in tons of varieties of flavors. Their newest flavors, the coconut brownie chunk. They also have a bunch of puff varieties that have marshmallow infusion in them, the cookie dough one I just said. My favorite, the peanut butter brownie. They're all delicious. Everybody who's tried them and listened told me that they love them and they get more or they go back for more. But and stop drooling. Listen to this. They're also good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, but high in protein. It's collagen protein, so your body absorbs it really fast. And all delicious. You can get them now at built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 when you're checking out. You get 15% off your order of built bars every single time. Go check them out. Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day. Second listen, Locked On Sixers. James Harden's money is official. Two years, 68 million bones, helping his team out. That's a lot of cash. Good for him, good for the Sixers. Keith Pompey and company over at Locked On Sixers will have that all for you. Let's talk about Buddy Heald, his contract extension situation with the Pacers. Like Turner, technically eligible for a renegotiation if he wanted. That does not make sense for the Pacers in a way that does for Turner. I've never seen a guy with multiple years left on his deal get renegotiated ever, I think. I'd have to do a little more research into that. I was trying and failing uh, earlier today. Most of the time, it's guys like Robert Covington a couple years ago with the Sixers who have one year left on the deal. He is also eligible for a three-year extension that would add on to the end of his contract uh, and it would total... $72 million in new money. So the maximum extension for Buddy Heald on a standard veteran extension, three years, $72 million. Let me jump out ahead of you, listener, before you think, wow, that's a lot. Yes, it is. That is too much for Buddy Heald. <laughs> Buddy Heald is a good player. Buddy Heald is not a $72 million player. But those are the maximum parameters. It could be two years, $30 million. Something like that is legal as well. But in as long as it's three or less years, and $72 million or less, dollars. there's some bonuses in there that could make it more, then it's legal for Buddy Heald. So why would Buddy Heald want an extension? Well, there's not a ton of reasons, honestly, at his age. He's on a contract that's healthy for him and pays him well and is tradable since it declines, and adding more years that go up in the end would make him a little less tradable, kind of stuck in the market he ends up on. Uh, but he, more money, like I said for Turner, is always the reason players, in theory, would agree to an extension. You know, Brogdon even said that last year when he extended he got more money. He said, I'm excited to know where my home is and get that money locked up for generational wealth, right? Every player thinks like that. Think of Monty Williams' quotes when he talked about DeAndre Ayton. You know, a lot of people do this job professionally because they love it, of course. Uh, if you read this piece from Anscape from Mark Spears, he also talks about like, yeah, the money's a factor for everybody, right? Everybody in the NBA landscape. Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, Gogo Batadze, no different. So that's the obvious reason, more money. But there's not a lot of external, non-financial reasons for Buddy Heald besides that getting you know overpaid with, from the Kings, to pursue an extension now. And the, there's no reason for another team to overpay him. So there's not a lot of reason for him at age 29 to go, yeah, I want more money right now, unless it's going to be the full three-year deal kind of deal. Why would the Pacers want to extend Buddy Heald? If you're on YouTube, you can see me do this. 
I'm just going to shrug. There's not really a compelling reason to me the Pacers would want to extend Buddy Heald. They're not, unless unless Buddy Heald agrees to like a two-year, $5 million extension or something ridiculous, where it's like the most obvious slam dunk money-wise for the Pacers thing to do, it makes no sense. Even at his market value, he's outside the Pacers' age range. He plays the same position as a bunch of their current young players. Uh, so while he is good, he fits a skill of need right now. He played better for the Pacers than he has ever in his career. Seems to be well-liked by players and coaches. They could just re-sign him in the future for less money. There's not a real reason for them to be rushing ahead of this now, locking him up and clogging up their future books when he is going to be 30 next summer and 31 when he becomes, well, just about to turn 31 when he becomes a free agent at the end of next season. There's not a compelling reason to me for the Pacers to say, let's hop all over this unless it's like one year, 10 million. And then he gets on the market at 31 and they get him for cheap. But again, there's no reason for Buddy to agree to that. So in terms of a realistic extension, why would both sides, why would the Pacers want to do that? I can't really think of a very compelling reason. Now, why would Buddy Heald not want to do it? Well, he has two years left on his current deal. He turns 30 in December. He'll be 31 when he becomes a free agent organically on his current deal. That's like the max age, maybe 32 or 33, to get one more decent money paycheck. You know, if you're if you hit 33 or you even show a single sign of aging at 32, you're not getting as much anymore. You're locked into the MLE or less basically because teams are afraid they're going to pay you too much or you're going to age out of it and it's not going to be worth it. Whereas at 31, teams can sniff and say, "Okay, you know, this won't be too crippling even if the decline starts now. They'll still be a good player." Right? But he just averaged 18 points a game for the Pacers. He averaged 20 points a game for a full season 3 seasons ago. 21 points per game really. Like this guy is an offensive weapon. Him getting on the market at a somewhat reasonable age again does make sense for him, and an extension makes that less significantly less likely once you get over 31. So again, if he if he gets an extension that's like really high value, at least in, to him and his agent, maybe he should jump all over that. But uh, that's a reason to me he wouldn't want one is he would get on the market later, and he would probably get less money at that time. Uh, now he's never been an unrestricted free agent. That's another reason he might want one. He did a rookie extension with the Kings. That was a ton of haggling that went on. At least uh, the reported haggling was quite a bit. So he might not want to extend either, right? Being an unrestricted free agent for the first time is appealing to a lot of these guys, like I just said with Turner. And this is something that is technically the case for Miles as well, but I think more so given Buddy's skill set is the case for him. As a shooter whose best skill is run around like a crazy shooter, get open, hit those shots, you know, he fits really well on contenders, better so on contenders than teams in the Pacers situation or the Kings situation, ironically. Ironically, I just said ironically two words in a row. Ironically though, contenders usually are expensive and over the cap. And so Buddy getting to a contender that has his full bird rights and can't keep him if they're over the cap is actually probably the easiest way for him to get more money in the future than a team like the Pacers. So extending with a team with cap space also where it's kind of maxed out at a you know, low 20s extension may not be ideal for him. He may think, hey, if I get traded, like I've been in the buzz, Dave McMiniman just went on ESPN and talked about the Lakers and Pacers potentially talking about a Buddy Heald trade again. Maybe he wouldn't want to extend with the Pacers because he could get to a different team and maybe get money from that team. But that is just conjecture. There's no reporting behind that. I'm just thinking about what he could want at his age and how teams are forced to spend money at certain times. Why would the Pacers not want to extend Buddy Heald? He's already making a lot of money 
So the veteran extension where you make less is always unappealing to players and agents. He's outside their core age range, right? He turns 30 this season. All their guys who will be in the rotation, except for him and TJ McConnell, will be 26 or younger. At least it looks that way. And the biggest one to me for a nobody extension is they already have Halliburton, Nambard, Matherin, Neesmith, Brown, Duarte. They already have you know ball handlers and off-ball guards to soak up minutes that they would like to play. Yeah, Buddy Heald will probably play this season if he's still on the team on opening night. But given the current Pacers roster makeup, they will want to face him out, it seems like, at some point, to the point where they're playing all of those guys in the rotation and anyone else that they could add in some other deal. doesn't make a ton of sense to really pursue longer-term stuff with Buddy Heald and you have all the guys on the team. And it'll make him less tradable, right? Longer seasons into his 30s. Not necessarily something that a team with trading for Buddy Heald would necessarily want. So to me... Does a Buddy Heald Pacers extension make sense? No, it doesn't. Unless it's an absolute steal, like I said earlier. Unless Buddy Heald says, I absolutely love it here. I will take the discount of your my life to stay here. Which, by the way, what I'm describing has never happened ever in the NBA. But if it does happen, sure, I guess the Pacers and Buddy Heald could come to an agreement. But outside of a slam dunk home run, no doubt positive value deal for the Pacers, there's just no real reason for this to happen. Even if the Pacers are awesome this season with Buddy Heald on their team. He's under contract next year, and then they could try to re-sign him to an extension then, or re-sign him when he becomes an unrestricted free agent in two summers. Even in the rosiest possible scenario for Buddy Heald, where he wants to stay with this team and clicks perfectly, and they're awesome, and he's a huge part of their success, they have a lot of time to figure all that out. There's not enough reason outside, again, of slam dunk value for the Pacers or Buddy Heald to pursue this now. Just don't see it happening. One more guy... Goga Batadze, who is bound by different rules than both Turner and Heald for extensions. Let's cut through Goga's situation because given his spot on the roster and given where he's at in his career, his is probably the most fascinating despite being maybe the most unlikely of these three guys. Thank you again, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day. Hey, if you're like the NFL, first of all, Locked On Colts is back. Second of all, Locked on NFL is breaking down the top 50 most valuable players in the NFL. If you're into that stuff, starting at Locked on NFL, I think they just did an episode with Jonathan Taylor involved. Might have been Michael Pittman. I saw the Colts, but I can't remember what player it was. My football knowledge is lacking. Anyway, the Pacers, what you're here to listen to me talk about. Extensions. Goga Batadze, the last player we will be talking about today. Why the Pacers would or would not want to extend him. Why Goga would or would not want a longer deal. Let's break it down. Now, let's get this out of the way. Get your laughter all done. In theory, Goga can sign a designated rookie extension, which would be five years at the max. That does not make any sense. In terms of standard non-designated rookie extensions, they can be up to four years. So Goga could sign an extension for one, two, three, or four years, and up to 150-something million, depending on what the max is next year. Obviously, that makes no sense. He's not worth that much. i just like to lay out the maximum parameters that it has to fit in. Now he, unlike uh, uh, unlike Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, will be a restricted free agent next year with a qualifying offer worth about $6.7 million next summer if the Pacers give it to him to make him a restricted free agent. They could just not. They could decide not to. But I would say anything that starts at less than that, Goga probably wouldn't take it anyway. And that matters as you think about what this could look like. Let's just cut into what a Batadze Pacers rookie extension could look like. These are, this is for example, Buddy Heald's currently on a rookie extension that he signed with the Kings three years ago in October. He got a four-year extension, so he's going into the third year of that. So Bonus signed a rookie extension. You'll remember how ugly that haggling got 
right before it got done. Miles Turner also signed a rookie extension. Paul George did as well. You know, the Pacers have a history, especially with their best young guys, of getting these sort of young these sort of deals done for their young guys. But Tadze, not necessarily at that level. But again, it could be something that gets considered. A lot of the max level rookie extensions are easy, right? Darius Garland's is done. Zion Williamson's is done. John Morant's is done. You turn to these players as the team and you say, yep, even if this season goes completely terrible and you get injured, you're going to be worth the max for a long time. Here's your money. Everything under that is a little harder. That's why Aiton, you know, didn't get it and why Aiton had to go into a very awkward restricted free agency this year. Keldon Johnson got four for 80 with some weird extensions. That is unusual for those to be negotiated that well and that early for restricted free agents. I think that's good value for the Spurs and for Keldon Johnson, but it's really rare because, you know, talking about rookie things, because they start a year later, right? This extension for Goga, he is under contract for the coming season already at $4.7 million. A lot of these young guys, if you come to them with a cheapo young rookie extension, could say, no, nah, I'll bet on myself because they get better every year on these younger deals and they could be worth way more than that. You know, Keldon Johnson could explode this year for the Spurs without DeJounte Murray and then he'll look like a steal at 4 for 80, right? A lot of players don't like to commit to that. Some of them do, as Keldon Johnson did. So now that the framework has been laid out, let's talk about why Gogo would want it. Same thing as the first two guys, more money. <laughs> the obvious reason you're, th- you're getting paid effectively as a free agent in his case You get more money locked up that he wouldn't have guaranteed to him without signing the extension. That one's obvious. And in his case, this is kind of awkward to say, but, you know, as as much as I've enjoyed the Goga experience more than fans of the team have, you know, he does have a lot of warts in his game. He is a little slower in their situation. And his growth has not been supremely obvious in his career. Despite him, you know, I think he's gotten better every year. Uh, He still has ways to go to be a quality rotation big. I think he can be a low-level rotation big right now, but a quality rotation big. All that to say, you can get a low-level rotation big anytime on the free agent market. There's tons of those dudes available. Greg Monroe is just out there for all of last season. Hassan Whiteside is still not on a team, right? Those guys are just out there. So if you're Goga and you get offered an extension, even if it's like a two-year cheaper one, you just prolonged your career in a way that may not have been possible without the extension offer. He may want to consider that. But... We'll get to more. Actually, we'll get to the non-Goga reasons later. Now, why would the Pacers want a Goga extension? Look, if he's going to have a role on this team, if he's going to be the backup five or someone gets hurt and he's playing often, yeah, you want that guy, apparent, I mean, locked up. On a, and usually these rookie scale extensions can be a bargain if you can get them for cheap. Maybe the Pacers would do that. But that's it. If they think they can get a bargain for him, they should do it. I'm not sure they can. There's a lot more reasons on the wooden side for both Goga and the Pacers. Why would Goga not want to do it? Well, I just talked about this with Keldon Johnson. A lot of these young guys like to bet on themselves and think, it's my third year in the league, I will get better. I am willing to bet on myself and think that if I get rotation minutes, I'll be better. I'll be worth more money next summer than any extension you'll offer me. Let's do this. Let's go. And he wouldn't take it. A lot of That happens a lot for non-max guys on the restricted free agency market. Now, another thing for Goga is he may want to leave the Pacers. Not for anything wrong with the Pacers, but just to get to a better situation for himself. Goga is turning, oh, ironically, I did not know this. It is his birthday as I'm speaking, uh, July 20th, 1999. Goga is 23, right? He'll be 23 when free agency opens next season. Former top 18 pick. Had a lot of fans in the lottery that year. Didn't go in the lottery, but had some fans in the lottery. Perhaps, perhaps the team would think of him as a second contract guy and stick him as their backup center for a full season. Whereas the Pacers who have Jalen Smith, Miles Turner, Isaiah Jackson, O'Shea Brissett, Terry Taylor, all the guys I mentioned in the Miles Turner segment, 
it's going to be harder for him to find minutes on this team. He may just prefer getting to next summer and trying to find a better situation if he's able to get somewhere else. You know, sometimes as a restricted free agent, that's not possible, as you just saw with DeAndre Ayton. But with lower-level guys, that could be possible, like DiVincenzo, for example. Just switched teams. He might have actually also been an 18th pick, ironically, uh, because the Kings probably wouldn't have had a role for him. Uh, and it just made more sense for them to, he was a 17th pick, excuse me, for him to move on from that franchise. They said, that's fine, no qualifying offer, go. You know, that's probably not the greatest asset management, but no one's going to beat up the Kings for that. Uh, the other reason Goga wouldn't is, I don't think his value is necessarily way higher. I don't think it's higher at all, actually, than $6 million per season, and that's his qualifying offer, $6.7 million. The Pacers may not even offer him a qualifying offer because he's not worth that $6.7 million. But if you're Goga, you have no real reason to take an extension that starts at less than that, unless it's really long, because you could get that 6.7 million qualifying offer if you play well. If not, you can find a better situation for yourself to allow yourself to play well, like I said earlier. So at his current value, which seems to me like if you're a depth big, like three years, 15 million or something, if he was an unrestricted free agent this summer, that's just a random estimation. You know, why would you why why would that even be offered when you could just wait till next year and get over six million on a qualifying offer? It just doesn't make a lot of sense unless it's a very long deal, like a three or four year deal. So not a lot of reasons for Goga to want it unless he's dying for money and security at this stage of his career. On the Pacers side, why would the Pacers not want to do it? Well, I just kind of laid it out. They have a million bigs already on their team, right? They have Turner, they have Jackson, they have Smith, they have I've named all the names a million times. Adding another one in long term may not make sense, may not be the best use of assets. It's also kind of hard to find the right value because of the qualifying offer being the value that it is, because it's not really easy to say you know, how good he's been in his career or how much he's worth to them as a third center, because it's not really clear you know, as a third center what his value even would be. Is three, is three for 15 too low? Is it too high? I mean, probably too high if he was 25 or 26. Like, It's really hard to find the right value, and that makes an extension very, very hard to determine for a younger player doing a rookie extension. And these cheapo rookie extensions are just so mega rare. If they're like low, low money, they just don't usually happen. And so I think the most compelling reason why the Pacers wouldn't want to do this, and the strongest reason why I think this won't happen, is that Goga is unrestricted this year. The Pacers do not have cap, or is a restricted free agent next year. The Pacers don't really have cap concerns. The worst case scenario for the Pacers is they say, is they, right now, there's, there's not a real reason for them to pursue a big extension with Goga. The worst case scenario is Goga is really good this season and earns starter minutes or rotation minutes or whatever. Maybe he's even an all-star level player. I, I know this sounds dumb, but just, just bear with me. Let's say he's an all-star level player. Amazing season. Totally changes the Pacers' fortunes. Then he's a restricted free agent. They can just keep him. They can just negotiate next summer in the worst case scenario. That's why these sub-max restricted free agents very rarely get the extension because even in the worst case scenario for the team, they still get to keep the player for multiple seasons. So a Goga extension just makes no sense to me because there's so many factors that say Goga wouldn't want to take one and the Pacers wouldn't want to offer one. And with those two factors competing, there's no real reason for one to happen unless Batadze is willing to take a mega cheap or really short deal that wouldn't tie up the Pacers' cap sheet long term when they have to start paying Halliburton, Duarte, all those guys in future seasons. So by going in order of most to least important, I also went through the most to least likely. I think Turner's the most likely to extend with the Pacers this summer. Buddy Heald second, Batadze third. But gun to my head, if you put odds on all these, I would say 25% chance tops for Miles, and that's only via renegotiation. I would probably say 
in reality, probably less than 20% chance any of these happen. If it was Miles, though, it would be renegotiation. And if he is receptive to that, I should raise those chances. I just don't know. And it's hard to say with so much in flux for this team and with their recent Aiden pursuit, I would say not good chances of any of these happening, but they are possible. And I think they are things the Pacers and these players need to consider. If you have questions about this, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see right here. Hit me up on Twitter at TEastMBA or this podcast at LockedOnPacers. Always happy to answer questions, especially about the salary cap. Uh, tomorrow, I'm not sure what I'm talking about yet. We've reached that point of the offseason. Maybe I will do the best free agents left. Maybe I'll do an updated look at the Pacers roster situation. Maybe something about what the rotation could look like, projected minutes. If you have any suggestions, let me know. Uh, so tomorrow, yeah, TBD. I kind of like the open-ended idea at this stage of the summer. Uh, so yeah, thank you guys a ton for listening. Be back tomorrow. Till then, have a good one.